hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9 Chai FM, Chai Chinuch, We are back as if we do every Monday between 2 to 3 where we discuss education, Chinuch, everything that's happening around the educational world, around the, in the community, out the community, the newest things, the questions, the discussions, the debates. How can we become better people? How can we influence other people to be better people? How can we make sure the next generation gets everything they should get and get the best? As usual, this is your show, so anything you want, you could join us on, uh, send us a message, uh, any topic, any issue, anything that you'd like to discuss, please send it in, 062-1482374, is the WhatsApp line. You can always send us an SMS, but only if you're in South Africa, 34519, 34519 is SMS line for South Africans, or you could call in on a new phone number, 010 which is 010-140-3020. That's a new line in studio. And I have a feeling today's show is actually going to be used. Not a lot. It happens in the show people call in, but today maybe it'd be different. Because today, before we get into anything, we're going to have a, a very special, 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 special guest, international, uh, worldwide speaker, rabbi, educator, uh, well-known through his books, through his uh, um, lectures in South Africa, in other places around the world, uh, straight from Israel, Rabbi Brizak will be here. And we're going to be discussing education and many things as something that does not happen a lot in the show. We're actually going to be focused the full hour together with the rabbi. Before we move on, I do want to ask a question. It's just a thought that I had this morning. And I was wondering um, about the legitimacy of one of the thoughts I had. Today is, um, according to the Gregorian calendar, it's 9-11. Today, uh, the world changed 16 years ago. And I remember, I'm sure everybody remembers where they were on 9-11, where they were when we heard the news about the Twin Towers falling down. I remember as uh, I was a, a bit over a teenager, but not that much over a teenager, still kind of a teenager at the time. I remember the thoughts that we had is... I was living in Israel at the time, and we were very isolated. We really felt that the world does not get us. We're getting so much terror, so much tragedy, so much killing. The world wasn't with us. 9-11 was a changing point. It was a time when the world realized that terror is international. The world felt that it's a world effort to fight terror. And there were people that were thinking at the time and throughout the years that there was something positive to 9-11. And I was thinking today, is that a legit thought? Can a tragedy of so many people losing lives and such a massive tragedy actually be a changing point also for positive for a specific nation, for a specific community? Can we think that way? Is it fair? Is it not fair? Please send us your thoughts at 62 148-2374 is the WhatsApp line. 062-148-2374. Send us an SMS, 34519. Or an email at on Or you could always call in 010-140-3020. So, I'm just going to leave that open question as a question. And I, I don't want to waste time. And I do want to go straight to the interview. Since this is a very big uh a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me, and I'll say why. 
I do have to share with you, Rabbi Brizak, who is uh, well known around the world as a lecturer, educator, put out a book, is also um, a very, very strong part of my education life and of my memories in many different areas. As I grew up as a child in the community and at school, uh, it's been uh, when I went to school, there was. Uh, uh, every school has it, by the way. You should just know. Every school has this one teacher that is a legend. And everybody says, just wait till you get to this teacher. That will be your best year. Just wait for it, wait for it. And everybody waits for it. And if in your school you're a teacher and there isn't such a teacher, then I'm happy for you. It's pro- You're probably the teacher. But in our school, it was Rabbi Brizak. He was the teacher of eighth grade eight. And I remember waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And one of the biggest disappointments I had is that, like, a few months before I got to the right class, he actually became the principal of the school. And I never got to be in his class as a student, but I did get my, get my education as a principal of the school. So we're sitting here in studio, and I'm going to uh, very shortly start an interview because it's a very um, unique, I think it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit in front of your principal and say, Hey, I'm asking the questions. Now it's my turn to come ask. Uh, but since this is the community show and the and the education show where everybody sends in questions, so feel free to send any questions you'd like into the studio. 062-148-2374. Send us an SMS, 34519, or an email to on air at Or you could always call 10 let me just say, I'm sure you could send in any question, but really, don't ask about me as a student. I just, my wife is listening to this show. Spare that from us. So any other question that you want, with pleasure, just send it in. So let's go straight into the interview. Good afternoon, and thank you so much for being with us, Rabbi Brizak. Good afternoon, and thank you for having me. I will say to I'm Rabbi, Rabbi G's <laughs> credit that he was a wonderful, wonderful, special boy. I never dreamed that he would be giving a radio show to all of South Africa, <laughs> but uh, he was a pure pleasure. And even if you ask, I have nothing bad to tell you. Oh, thank you. Okay, so then that's fine. You can ask. <laughs> then therefore you can ask, no problem. I want to start with a question uh, directly, which is, interests me a lot, and I think about it a lot. The Rav has been an educator, for all I know, at least three decades. Um, maybe even more, but that I don't remember. What has changed since when we were in school, uh, I mean, me as a student, when the rabbi was already an educator to the education today? Whoa, that's a very good question. And everything has changed. What hasn't changed? Okay. But if you want to put it, if you want to look at it, uh, basically, two things have changed. And one of them is the advances in technology, which have come to the point that kids don't need their parents. They could do whatever they want. Wow. They could find out whatever they want, and they could do it behind your back. And I, they don't need their teachers. They don't need anything. Now, aside from that, now, you think I'm exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. We've had 10-year-olds with the threats of running away from home, 11-year-olds and kids becoming non-religious. We had now a 10-year-old that is in danger of becoming non-religious and going off and... Uh, where do they live? Where do they stay? They have lots of friends and lots of others are doing like they're doing and it's all behind their back. Even here in South Africa, kids have confided in me, teens and other things, how they're doing things on the internet without their parents knowing about it. I said, tell your parents. Why should I tell my parents? They're just going to punish me and be upset at me. Why so should I get myself in trouble? With it. 
they're scared to tell their parents. They don't see any interest. In Why them. should they tell a well, parent who's just going to punish them and hurt them? Why they should, should they really? Is there any reason for a child to be open with his parents? Uh, certainly, a child has a child has to be open with somebody because these problems are too hard for him to handle, and if he doesn't have an adult helping him, then he can't manage. If children are coming over to me and telling them that their friends, f- people are making friends with them on Twitter, or uh, and they're not Jewish and they like them and they're able to be free and be themselves, and if they tell the parents, they'll be bombed. But they need help because it's not a healthy thing, and they could be. Uh, prone and open to cyberbullying and to 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 people that can do they can get hurt, heaven forbid. I mean that's just part so of it. So it is more a dangerous world today. That's first of all, but I'm not I'm not looking at the aspect of danger as much as I'm looking at the aspect of kids being able to go behind your back, and there's a, that that um, obligates us to take an approach more of working with the children than policing the children. Yes, we have to educate them. We have to bring them up. But if we're going to go by force and hold a stick, you know, I'll share with you something interesting. Somebody drove me down the highway since I've been here, and his little boy was saying to him, Dad, there are no cameras here. You can go quicker. (laughs) (laughs) I said said to the little boy, what do you mean? The the science is 100. Yes, but my dad says when there's no cameras, you can go quick. So what's the point? We live in a world that if you don't get caught, a policemen are to be avoided. When you need to avoid them, when there's no police around, then go as fast as you want. So I have to stop and ask a question. How much is our influence on the kids is in a way that we don't trust them and, and make sure that they're not caught? And I'll explain the question. This is something that crosses my mind many times as an educator. And I actually could say that I, I think of the rabbi as an example to a lot of things that I do in education. And one of the things that I always ask myself is, and I always tell myself that um, I can testify that when I was in school, in in the rabbi's school, the, the rabbi really gave us lots and lots and lots of trust. Um, we could, uh, and, and maybe we'll get even to a few examples, but even going out of school, uh, I could come up to the rabbi and say, I need to buy something. And the rabbi would say, okay, you can go, you can come back. Or... Um, sent me an errands or things like that, that I actually could say very proudly that the rabbi was right because I could testify here on the radio that I never betrayed the trust that I got. Saying that, if a school would give the same trust to my kids, I would pull them out the same day. So maybe we're not um, strong enough today. I don't think it's we're not strong enough. I think the dangers are too great to be left up to the trust of children. You can't trust your child and give him a, a device with open internet and expect him not to fall. The challenge is too great. It was a different world then, and the, there was no internet around. And so it's not a matter of trust. You have to work with your children, but you don't. You have, to, you have to be smart, not naive. Seventy. I'll finish with this point. But seventy-two percent of parents do not know what their kids are doing on the internet. Wow, that's wow. a proven statistic. And. And I'd say that it's very scary because out of those 70% of the kids, they don't want their parents also to know, which means they're kind of hiding something. And they're very technically uh, capable, and the parents are not. Much more than us. Okay, we're going to have to elaborate on that. We do have to take an ad break, and I see some SMSs are starting to come in also, so we'll have to get to that. So we will take a short break. Any questions that you have, you could always send it in. 34519 is the uh, SMS line, or 062-148-2374 is the WhatsApp line. 101.9 high. We will be right back. 
Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. So, now that we have what we need for Rosh Hashanah, we could move on in the interview. So, we were discussing the changes of the world that has been changed since... Um, the beginning of, of the, even just the beginning of the educational career of the rabbi, which is, as I said, over 30 de- three decades, uh, over 30 years, and which is a lot. And, and the dangers and the discussion and, and the internet seems like to be the biggest thing around right now, or not only. Well, it's the biggest threat and the biggest danger and the biggest place where kids fall. You have kids falling onto pornography and, and all the other dangers. You know, they called me here in South Africa to one of the schools to address cyberbullying. Was in one of the schools, one child didn't like another child, a 10-year-old, and he put on Facebook that you're crazy, and 100 kids of his grade saw this, and the 10-year-old didn't want to show his face in school. That's terrible. So you can murder a child. You can. I mean, it's a lethal weapon. Now it has its benefits. It has to be used. But without parental guidance and parental uh, assistance, it is dangerous. It's very dangerous. So one of the things that I have heard from that I was called into schools also, as the rabbi says, was uh, WhatsApp groups that uh, they decided you can be in the group, you can't be in the group. A whole class made a group with except for three girls or all these kind of things that were actually um, cyberbullying to, to, in, a, in a very simple way. Um, I, if it's okay, I do want to take a break from the discussion because I have an SMS that came in here, a kind of long uh, message. Good afternoon, rabbis. I have a question. My son has special needs and is in a school that helps in that regard. His particular need is not academic, but is social. He will be bar mitzvah this year. My question is, what area should I be focusing in on to prepare him for once he is bar mitzvah? And what source material should I be learning with him? to get him ready to be able to fulfillate the mitzvahs. Thank you. Thanks, Anon. Oh, Anonymous. Okay. So the last part of the question I didn't get, again, I think he's, not, like a, this. he's he, not in a Jewish school. Um, he's, what I, I don't know that, but what I'm understanding from the question is that he's in a special needs school. There are a few special needs schools here. There's one Jewish one. Uh, there, that... Um, is helping him regarding his needs. The needs are not academic, so I'm assuming it's somewhere on the social spectrum um, or etc. And he's going to be bar mitzvah, and he wants to prepare his child. Um, and I guess he's looking for material. What should he be? Uh, it is popular here that um, parents need to prepare their kids academically for Jewish studies for bar mitzvah since the, social, the special needs uh, are not fulfilled in the Jewish schools, so they, they don't get that. So what would a father start with? Is there any re- specific materials recommended or areas? Or Bezrat Hashem, it's important to realize that the bar mitzvah is only a beginning an entire career. So you really want to connect your child to religion in a positive way. That's something you should work on altogether. The way to work on it would be to start preparing him for his bar mitzvah in a way that he'll see it as a pleasant experience, not something which is going to burden him, pressure him, or just because you want to perform for your friends and show off, and therefore he's going to have to be your tool to show off to your friends. So 
I would focus on his being called up to the Torah, his being able to read perhaps one portion, even the last portion, or maybe the Haftorah or however you do over here. I, when I came here, one of the boys was reading to me what he's going to be reading on Simcha's Torah, his Aliyah, and a seven-year-old boy. Oh, wow. He's practicing it for a long time. So to practice his reading in the Torah, if he's capable, to make sure he knows how to daven and uh, that his davening is he's able to say the words. He knows I would perhaps take out some meaningful parts of the davening and help him to understand what he's saying, like the first verse of Shema. When you say, do you know what it means? Hashem, our God, Hashem is one. Do you ever think about that? What does it mean? He's not 10 and he's not 18. He's one. What? One what? What does exactly. it mean? What How does it mean? We go a whole day, we're, we're creatures of habit, prisoners of habit. We don't even know what we're doing. So at least when our child is starting it, for him it's not a habit yet. He's just starting let him do it good. So really we can, it's it's a major point that we can't even expect our kids to connect to davening or anything if we don't teach them what it is and what it means and what it's about. Yeah, one of my great teachers, Rabbi Volby, one of the great uh, righteous rabbis of our time, said that nothing happens by itself, especially in areas of chinuch. I have to say that um, I have been by him together with the rabbi as a kid. It's one of the things when people ask me about success in education, I always say that my principal in school always took us to the rabbis. I remember I could say numerous times that I've been in, in school. The rabbi took us to Rav Volby, uh, to, to uh, Rav Bordiansky. We used to go and we used to go to Rav Scheinberg and we used to go completely. My, my album, I wish my kids would have an album like I do that I had from that uh, those years in school. Can I share with I you a secret? Okay. Rabbi G. My son-in-law... Pardon me, I called Rabbi G by his first name, and it's maybe not even really fitting. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I wasn't Rabbi G when I was in school by you, so it's okay. <laughs> My son-in-law is in one of those pictures. He was in our school in seventh grade, and he has one of the pictures standing right by visiting one of these big rabbis, and he's standing right next to me, a little kid. Oh, wow. Little did I know that he'd later on marry my daughter, so <laughs> it's a good wow. thing I treated him nicely. Yeah. Maybe that's why he married your daughter in the end. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, so that's, that's a, so it's it, it and I think it's a very important point, and that's why I actually recommend all the listeners to listen very very carefully because not only Rizak Emayes is an amazing educator, he's also bringing us the message from the previous rabbis, from rabbis that are not with us anymore, but still um, he's been copying their words and and learned from them and passing it on to the next generation. I think in a very powerful, strong way. So Rav Volpi said basically what the rabbi is saying is that nothing happens on its own. But I think it's more than that. I think we have a cliche that goes like this. Rather than expect them to be there, help them to get there. That means a lot of our our parenting is reactive, not proactive. We see a child and we expect him to have respect. We expect him to behave. We expect him to be responsible. And when he's not, we get upset. And the real way to do it is not to be upset at him for not doing it, but help him to do it. Well, wow, I think that's very powerful. So really we can't um, – all these things that we automatically think that should be there, it's really just our wishful thinking. And, and if we don't take our kids there, we won't get there. It's a mistake. It's, a, it's not right because today you can't expect – things that were, uh, were standard and expected perhaps in the previous generations can't be expected today. Nothing is 
understood on its own. Right. To, so basically, I think the answer to this question would be um, recommended to go through tefillah, to go through the connection, the understanding, uh, like practical mitzvahs. What, make what sure mitzvahs he knows how to put the, on tefillin, make sure he knows to put on tefillin every day. Rather than prepare him, I would try to make secure certain routines and habits, like going to shul and that praying with a minion, for sure, on Shabbos. And make that into okay. a non-negotiable during the week if you can. Because once children are by mitzvah and they're praying during the week, then they can, they'll put on their tefillin. Tzitzis. I would make sure these habits become non-negotiable. I had a parent just told me now. They send their child to a non-religious school here. And they said three, two things are non-negotiable. Your kippah and your tzitzis. You have wow. to be wearing them all the time. And sure, that's why I say it's not just preparing them for the bar mitzvah. There is life after the bar mitzvah. It's preparing them for a new career. Yeah, for over 100 years of, of relationship <laughs> with Hashem. 107 right. to be exact. At least. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say that what the Rebbe is saying about expecting, uh, being excited towards it, I could share on a personal level. Um, and again, one of the things that when, when my kids heard that the rabbi is in town. So the first reaction was, so is there going to be in Shabbos uh, uh, a Rabbi Brizak program? Because Rabbi Brizak has been running programs for uh, making sure we're not uh, wasting our time on the streets every Shabbos afternoon. I was there as a little boy. My kids have been there when we were still living in Israel. And you were the best kid in the group, I must say. That's a plug, I, I, I that's hope, a plug for Rabbi G. If I you'd like to send your compliments, <laughs> the number is... Uh, uh, I'm not going to say it now. <laughs> but if you want to send any questions, you are then 0621482374 for any questions for the rabbi or 34519 is SMS line. But uh, now I can't even say the story you said because you just said that. But anyways, the story was that uh, I actually won a prize. And it was on because I came Mitzvah Shabbos to the rabbi's house, and I got something that was unheard of at the time. It was a, a calendar for a hundred years forward. And one of my strongest memories was Sukkot every year. I was that was the first year we sat down, me and my parents, and we were looking. This is going to be my bar mitzvah in four years from now, and this is the date, and this is how it's going. The week is going to look like. And every year in Sukkot, we actually I still have that calendar. We used to go out and look when we're going to get there, when it's going to be. And yeah, I, now re- looking back, seeing that the power of getting excited towards what we have, I think, is a very strong uh, um, and a very big need uh, in in where we focus. So there's many more that, that we do need to discuss regarding the the education and the challenges we have in this world. I see that we do have to take a short break, and right after the break, we will come back with more questions, more topics, more issues here with Rabbi Brizak. One hundred one point nine, We will be right back. Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Okay, so we are in the middle of a discussion <coughs> with Rabbi Brizak here about education, and we're discussing the, dif- the differences, really, of where we were to where we are. And one of the things that came up before was that actually we are in a situation that kids have free information anywhere, anytime. And I think it's much harder, actually, to build a relationship between a uh, teacher and a child since what does a child need the teacher for? So does the teacher have a different role today than in the past, than giving just passing on information? 
If I could add in another point over here, which I think would would uh, explain your question as well, is another thing that's changed in our times, as opposed to previous generations. That's the degree of respect that children have for authority altogether. There used to be something called respect. It's gone extinct. Respect. I'll give you a quick example. I live in in uh, Israel, and you're not allowed to park next to red and white line. And uh, I saw a fellow once parked next to a red and white line in an area called Geula in Jerusalem. And he was bending over, and I was wondering, isn't he afraid to get a ticket? And I saw that he had a can of spray paint, spray paint and he was painting the sidewalk black. <laughs> and then he parked his car. <laughs> Practical. So, you understand? Today, we do what we want and don't tell me what to do. That's the attitude. As the rabbi said before, as long as you're not caught. That's right. But that's why the whole idea is not to get caught, not that I really want to follow the law. So I want to do what I want. Now, if that's the case, uh, anybody that comes to tell me what to do is my enemy. I'm not going to have respect for him. That's Mm -hmm. another reason why if you're just a policeman parent, you're not going to have your children's cooperation and they'll go behind your backs. Therefore, what does a parent have to do today? You have to gain and earn your children's respect. It's not just a matter of controlling through policing. That is such a mistake. You have to discipline but you have to gain your child's respect, not fear, and not control. And the way you gain your child's respect, I'm going to tell you something that might you may not agree with, but it's by really being on their side. When you're on your child's side, and you, I'll give you one example, and I'll stop. I'm not going to ask him. Yeah, okay. Rabbi G is plotting to ask me a whole bunch of questions. Okay. But give me a second, Rabbi G, and then uh, we'll 100%. give you... 100%. Yes, to listen, I was his headmaster. Okay, so... Exactly. Uh, See, I still have respect. Yeah. (laughs) You're unusual. (laughs) So a mother was going with her daughter recently to an ice cream store, a nine-year-old girl. And they came back from the ice cream store. As they're going, it was a very tall ice cream, soft ice cream. And uh, the girl was licking it. As she licked about a third of it, it fell off the cone onto the floor. So what did the mother do? What could the mother do? The mother could say to the child, listen... You know, I bought you an ice cream. You have to learn responsibility. You have to, next time we can buy you another ice cream next week. Right now you had your ice cream. You had a third of it. And next time you'll be more careful. That's one way of dealing with it, where my entire intention is to educate you and train you and teach you. There's something that comes before that. I'm with you. So you know what the mother actually did? She said to the girl, we are going right back to the store and getting another ice cream whether you like it or not. And the girl was probably smiling from eye to eye. She went back. Now, this mother will not have problem gaining her daughter's respect. And when she comes to discipline her daughter, her daughter will accept it. So to put it in a nutshell in one sentence, then, Rabbi G, you could ask what you no, want. No, no, 100%. This in a nutshell, the point here is that because there's such a lack of respect and because policing will not work and because kids can go behind your back, like you said, with technology... You therefore have to gain and earn their trust and respect. And you only do that if you really care about them first and train them and teach them second. Okay, I think that's a massive point, and I, and I agree 100% with the point of actually looking for the opportunity to 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 show them you care, to, to be in a, a, together with them in the same difficulty. But that that's when we're talking about an opportunity that the parent actually had and he caught it before the child uh, said anything or before anything happened. 
But where where does it come in with boundaries? Let's say the parent looked the other side, the child in the meantime lay down in the parking lot, started screaming and yelling for another ice cream. Then what do we do? Okay, now you have to, you have to differentiate if the child is really hurt or the child just didn't get his way and is tantruming. They're two okay. different things. Children have to be disciplined. You're going to let them do whatever they want, and they're going to step all over your head. They're not going to respect you. If you're not going to discipline your children, they're not going to respect you. But the discipline is, di- is different when it's done because it's good for the child or when it's done because I can't control myself. And I just right. I, the noise is too loud. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's a very uh, um, a painful point that we deal with a lot. And, and sometimes it's hard as a parent, as a teacher, as an educator, to find the bound, the, the line between am I disciplining my child because it's really wrong to break, to break my dishes that I got 25 years ago or because he just broke my dishes from 25 years ago. I'll give you a practical tool that will help you very much if you wait one minute. Don't do anything. Count to 60. It's not gonna, you're not, it's not going to happen. Count to five slowly. One, and put your fingers out. One. <laughs> what happens when you do that? When you do that, you start to think. And when you start to think, a lot of things change. So the secret is not to be impulsive. That's it. I think so. And so, yeah, that's that's obvious. So basically, the, when a parent is facing a, a situation and he, he doesn't know, like, the bounds line, just wait and think. And, no, and but the wait and think means you'll be able to think. Once you can think, now you can discern is your child just tantruming to get his way, or does something really bother him? Is he really hurt, and is he really upset? Children throw tantrums. That's one thing. Children are also hurt. Parents come to me, the child has an anger problem. He doesn't have an anger problem. He's hurt. He's hurt, and because he's hurt, he'll act out, and you fight him when he acts out, and therefore he gets angry, and he has an anger problem. You have a chinach problem that you don't understand your child. I, I don't mean you, heaven forbid. No, it's 100%. I have to say that I, Levkovich, I used to hear from him many times in, in education. One of the things he said, whenever you come to a situation, check is it before you do anything, is what the child did appropriate for the age and situation that happened. If he's crying because he hurt himself, then it makes sense. If it, it makes sense, then leave it. And then that's the right thing that should be done. But I think this is the point that we hit on that, that I hear a lot. And and one of the things that I, I, when I was growing up, we always felt that no matter what we say, no matter what we do, our parents know everything. We looked at it as our parents. They knew everything. And even if they were wrong, it was very hard uh, to get to them, maybe. Today, whenever I speak to parents, I always hear, but we don't know what to do, and we don't know anything, and we don't know anything. And the more knowledge parents are getting, I don't know if they're getting more confused or more lost, or, but I, I keep on hearing, and I hear sometimes because we're immigrants, we're young parents, we're balichuva, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. What do we tell parents? Do they really not know, or, or do they, where does it come from? Because the challenges today are like we've never seen, and the world is like we've never seen. We never saw a world without respect. We never saw a world with the quite with the challenges we're faced with. We never saw children out of control like they are. We never saw attitude like we have. We, and people were never so sensitive as they are. So the situation is unprecedented. We've never seen a situation like this. I think every parent has to have a parent mentor either a book that he can get in the Hebrew bookstore on parenting. That's Which an, uh, is uh, highly recommended, the, not, the book. No, I want uh, uh, the uh, parenting at... You're getting uh, me back from before. Okay, Rabbi G. No, 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 no. It's, I think it's a, it's a book that needs to be uh, read by parents. And I'll give the Rabbi that. 
pa- parenting in turbulent time. It's chinuch. Sorry, chinuch in turbulent times with art scroll. Chinuch in turbulent times with art scroll. And uh, as those listeners have noticed, turbulent is a very hard and big word for me. So it took time, but that is, so that could be a, a very good um, guiding and mentor. And by the way, I heard from people overseas that the rabbi himself is a mentor also through Skype and through uh, other... And we ways. have trained coaches. We're actually running a program. We're training now for about 40 coaches, parent coaches, are in the process of being trained to Africa. be able to help throughout the world. No, in, also in South Africa. In Israel. And in internationally in the states and Canada, and we are in the process of beginning in South Africa as well. Okay, so if you think you could be trained, where we exactly send it in at oh six two one four eight two three seven four oh six two one four eight two three seven four or an SMS three four five one nine or send us an email on airschaifm dot com. So I did not get permission for that, but I did it anyways. We do have to uh, get an SMS that came in. Hi, Rabbi G. Thank you so so much for an amazing guest. My hardest challenge is when I'm already in a situation that I am angry and then to still show the child that it's coming from a caring place. Any tips? If you're in a situation that you're angry and it's not coming from a caring place, place, there's something called apologizing, something called going over to a child and saying, you know, I'm sorry I lost it, but I really love you so much. Now, a parent that keeps getting angry can't keep apologizing, so they have to work on their anger. And like we said, waiting is a big tool. One mother told me that her life was changed from waiting 10 seconds. Waiting 10 seconds, it's easy, and you can do it. And if you know that anger is not good for the child for so many reasons, it's not good for you. Angry people are bitter people. And the the more you can be... 100%. The more you can be, uh, wait, your anger... If you give your mind a chance to kick in, you're ahead of the game. Right. So I think one of the, maybe part of the question would be, what happens in a situation that the parent is angry, but they still feel the right thing right now would be to respond or to punish or to do? How can they show it? You never need to respond right away. I've seen this through, you want to say, decades. But you can always wait a minute or two. There's almost never an emergency that must be dealt with immediately. With chinuch, with with education, you need what we call first aid. Sometimes you need temporary solutions, and we call okay. these first aid. And we ask parents to do these things emotionlessly. We go, we okay. we have a, a play on words it's called emotion. So we ask you to take out the e from the emotion. What do you get? E. Motion. Go through the motion go without the emotion. emotion. That means uh, just go through it emotionlessly, and later on when you calm down, you'll be able to think straight and do the right thing long term. Are there any specific challenges that you'd see more in the South African community, or humans, kids, education around the world is pretty similar? I don't think so. I think wherever there are people, people have have midos, there is, there are ch- wherever there are children and parents, there are the challenges we're facing. It's basically the same. Maybe there is a little bit more respect left over and they're slower in gaining the uh, disrespect that's out there, but it's coming, believe you me. Well, it's coming, it's <laughs> happening. But it's still it's there, <laughs> but it's taking a little bit more time perhaps. Okay, so so there is something... Uh, um, Unique, I think, in the in the as the rabbi saying that in the respect, there's still a bit of there's still a semblance of respect in South Africa, yes, <laughs> right? And, and we and it's I think it's our job to make sure that it stays and and, and continues. They call and, me. Please allow me to interject just a, a word of humor for a minute. My friend taught me the word umfundisi. 
whenever I go, that means a big rabbi. So wherever I go, I say to the fellows, you know, Om Fundisi, and they give me tons of respect. Yes. They give respect. Okay, yes. so so okay. <laughs> it works. Um, yeah. So so just I don't know about, I know the rabbi is leaving already on Monday. But I do know that there are um, Skype discussions or something. So if somebody does want to hear about it, does want to get in, in touch with the rabbi, how does he do it? How did I'll give you an easy email that you can contact. It's called brizakworkshop at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, and brizak is spelled B-R-E-Z-A-K, workshop. It's all one word. brizakworkshop at gmail.com. Send all your questions or comments over there if you didn't catch us on the show. Okay, and obviously it will be a podcast on the website so you can catch it up later on. I think we, and our hour has come to an end much faster than I expected and thought. Um, and for the South African, uh, for the listeners of the show, I think it's pretty much it for now. In the meantime, I personally will have um, a great schuss. I, I don't know if the listeners Could I know. say one thing for 20 yes. seconds? 20 seconds, I'll try to say it very quickly, I'll try to speak very quickly. But sure. pray for your children in your own words. Every day, say a prayer like, Hashem, he's driving me crazy. What do I do? Hashem, could you make him a mensch? Please help me. You'll never be sorry. Wow. Wow. So that's actually... Uh, so I'm going to have a great opportunity for uh, the rabbi said praying. So I don't know if any of the listeners here know, but the rabbi is also a very uh, special Baal And that was for the Amud. And hopefully this year, Yom Kippur, I will have the schus in Mogen Avram to hear the rabbi. Um, I'm hoping in the community uh, very shortly. But um, thank you. I just want to thank the rabbi. Thank you very much for being with us and spending us with us. I know uh, the rabbi had to move things around. I know that it's uh, challenging. Everybody wants to get an opportunity. But thank you so much for being with us here on the show. 101.9, Chai FM, Chai Rabbi G, here hosting Rabbi Brizek. Thank you very much, Rob, for being with us. Thank you, Rabbi G. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> thank you so much. The whole interview was worth it. And thank you again. And please, God, we'll meet again next week, Monday, 2 to 3, discussing education, what's happening with ourselves, with the community, with the world, and we will be back next week. Thank you very much. Kol